This is Wealth Builders, presented by Staten Walsh, a show designed to pull back the curtain of the financial industry and bring true transparency to the forefront of conversation. On the show, we cover topics like financial education, current events, and interview business leaders and industry experts with the ultimate goal of helping listeners discover their own path to financial independence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Wealth Builders. This week, we are very excited to have David Beck with us, who is the Regional Brokerage Manager with Disability Insurance Services um, and is just the disability expert. Um, we use David with any type of question about whether individuals, business owners, anything comes to DI. He's the go-to guy. So super excited to have you here today, and thanks for taking the time. Of course. Thanks for having me, fellas. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Dave, thanks for coming on. So uh, excited. You know, obviously, May is Disability Insurance Insurance Awareness Month. So uh, we wanted to bring to light, I think, a an insurance product that is probably not fully understood by, you know, the average everyday individual. So, you know, our goal today, I think, is just to try to introduce disability insurance to the world and really over a course of a series of a couple different episodes that we have planned dive into the details and help people figure out, you know, what is disability insurance? Why is it important? You know, what's a good policy versus not and, and really dive in there. But before we get started into any of that, you know, we'll talk a little bit about your professional expertise and your professional bio. One of our favorite questions to ask guests on the show is tell us something interesting about yourself that someone would not read in your professional bio. Man, well, that's that's a great question, and I would say, judging by what's hanging on the wall behind me, is that in a former life, before I got into the financial services, I was a touring musician. Um, I went to school for audio engineering at the Sheffield Institute for the Recording Arts, which is right here in, I guess it's Phoenix, Maryland. And I really wanted to be behind the board, man, pushing the faders, turning knobs and, you know, being really the guy behind the scenes, almost like a studio musician. Never got there. Um, at some point, you got to really realize that, you know, if you want to have a family and make money, it's a, that's a hard industry to do. It. I mean, this industry sure. we're in already is pretty, pretty difficult. <laughs> yeah. Even harder. <laughs> you know, so, I, did, yeah. Yeah, I did not know that. that that's, so you, you were torn for a little bit? Yeah, we toured the United States, man. I was in a um, a local band to Baltimore. Um, we had a pretty decent local following, and we got on some record labels, and we went out and we went out and about, man. We did it, so it was it was pretty cool. It was a cool experience. It ended up in the long run not being for me, but it was yeah. it was it was good. It was a great experience. From being a rock star to selling disability insurance, <laughs> what a, what a what a journey. What an yeah. axe on, right? <laughs> from, a, from an axe man to a suit man. That's, yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, there we exactly. go. Uh, right. No, well, that's interesting. No, that's definitely, that is an interesting fact and a stark contrast to, to what you're doing today. But I guess fill in our listeners. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background professionally uh, in financial services and kind of what you're doing today at DIS. 
Sure. So I started in financial services 2006. At least I think it was 2006. Might be 2007. Anyway, I started as a financial representative with the New England right before they got bought by MetLife. And um, just on the retail side, man, I was like, you know, get 200 of your friends and family and try to call them up and try to sell them insurance. That's how I started, man, the natural market. I was okay. I was nothing special. Um, I was really good at nominating people to come and join our firm, though. And the managing partner at the firm recognized that. And then eventually, a couple years after I started the business, him and I ended up moving to Las Vegas, Nevada and taking over a mass mutual general agency where I was a sales manager. He was a general agent and we were a good team and, you know, recruiting and building a team of of mass mutual um, agents. So I was out there for about three years and then some, you know, some things happened in my life and that life out there that brought me back to Baltimore. Still as a uh, sales manager with mass mutual and the guardian when I came back. But ultimately I started to realize that being a financial advisor wasn't really for me. I really gravitated towards the risk protection, life insurance, disability insurance, and ultimately now disability insurance almost exclusively. But that's what really I enjoyed because it also worked well up here in my head. Hmm. And I really enjoyed working with advisors from the recruiting part. So now where I am in my career at disability insurance services as a wholesaler product specialist, I still get to call on advisors like yourself and advisors all up and down the East Coast, all over the country. And I don't have to recruit them to come and leave where they are to come join me. I can recruit them to just use our services to offer them an expertise and a service to add and plug disability insurance into their practice and not disrupt anything else. And that's really that's really what I like doing. So I get to kind of still do a little bit of what I was doing in the past, but really actually bring some value and service to their practice. That's great because you really know, you know, some of the struggles that the advisor goes through since you were one and kind of what we're looking for in that relationship. So that's got to be a huge advantage for you. Yeah. So, no, that's great. And thanks for sharing a little bit about your backstory. So, you know, just getting into, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about disability insurance and, um, for someone out there who doesn't know what, you know, they have a, a really vague understanding of what disability insurance is. Um, could you describe for us what a disability insurance policy actually does? Absolutely. At the crux of it, it is income replacement. All right. So disability insurance kind of has a, a negative connotation to it because you're talking about something bad that's happened. And I mean, make no mistake, that's really what what triggers the benefit is you got to go through an injury or illness like a disability. But the but the idea behind it is to really replace one's income when that happens. And I've been using language like what would happen if you have to navigate your own personal pandemic or your own personal recession? You know. 
But we, the three of us, have lived through both of those, a recession and a pandemic now. But what if it is is local to just your specific situation? So this type of product or strategy or positioning, however you want to call it, is going to replace a portion of one's income when they can't work because of an injury or an illness. That's the basics of it. Very important. And often I say it's the foundation or undergird building block of a financial plan. So with disability insurance policies, are there different types um, you know, what are the differences between the two? You know, how, let's dive a little bit deeper into how that works. Absolutely. Definitely different types. And they can come or be uh, available to a consumer in different ways. The first way, the most common way that most people probably get their disability insurance is through their employer. You know, through work, a group disability plan. This is good insurance. Oftentimes, the employer's paying the bill, paying the premium, and you can't argue with free, right? So, I mean, that's that's a good thing. Can't argue with that. Sure. Um, then there would be maybe a voluntary employer plan, still still um, eligible through the employer sort of um, structure, but the employee's paying some premium. So then there's some some tax benefits to that, and then you have maybe the individual market of disability insurance where you can go buy your own policy, your own program. Now, there's also other types of, I guess, that could be or, or programs that could be disability insurance, like one, Social Security, which is government, government funded um, or crowdsourced. You know, you really could set up a GoFundMe page or some sort of crowdsourcing to help fund you not being able to work that you know has its good and it's bad to it but there's there's a lot i mean you know you can use you know friends family other people's money that sort of thing um to, to fund a disability but really it's it's the employer provided whether it's whether it's given voluntary or the individual market by buying an insurance policy on yourself All right, good stuff so let's talk about a little bit more about them the employer paid disability insurance and then your own personal disability insurance. Can somebody have both? If you have a policy at work, is that event, uh, can, should people buy it as well on their own? Is there any advantages to that? Yeah, there very well could be. So it's all going to be boiled down to that individual's circumstance, their income, their occupation, you know, health, that sort of thing. Typical group employer plans have to be offered to everybody the same, right? Because they're they're government mandated or or governed, and it's by ERISA, um, to where it says you can't discriminate. So if you're going to offer this group policy, everybody gets the same, and there's no underwriting. So there's no individual underwriting that has to do with it. So a typical group plan would say we'll give you a percentage of your base earnings, whether you're too sick or injured to work. And that percentage is usually 50 or 60%. Most commonly, it's 60%. Um, so we'll give you a 60% of your base earnings up to a monthly cap of, say, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, with a lot of hospitals and higher, bigger, bigger groups that have a lot of people in this. You might get to see a $20,000 cap. 
But back to what I was saying earlier, when the employer's paying the premium, so the employer's getting a tax deduction on that premium by offering you got offering a free benefit. So on claim, that 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 monthly benefit could be taxable and most and it will be if the employer's paying it. So there's also another thing that I said there that a lot of people may miss, and it's not their fault, but it's base earnings. So if you get somebody that has a base plus a commission or a bonus or a business owner that might be paying themselves a salary but taking a K-1 as well, that other income typically isn't covered on your group plan. So in that instance, it might make sense to wrap around the group plan with an individual policy that's owned by the individual to get them back up to that, say, 60% of income replaced by by an injury or illness because you've got to take the taxes and claims from the group. Interesting. So are there any cost differences, you know, aside from, I know you mentioned the employer paid, obviously that's free, um, but you, you mentioned there's possibility to buy more or to purchase additional or a voluntary, you know, is there is there a significant cost difference between an employer sponsored plan versus one that you're buying for yourself in the open market? There could be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the individual insurance market definitely tends to be more expensive than than a group plan. Um, and there's a couple reasons for that. Well, underwriting, health underwriting. You know, somebody's health might be a little difficult to navigate or pre-existing conditions, age and gender, um, male, female. So in the disability world, the cost of insurance for females is higher than it is for males because of the higher claims that the that the insurance carriers see. Also, just the better definitions of disability, the better riders, you know, you might be able to extend coverage for certain types of claims that a group policy may or may not cover, such as stress or depression. You know, those might be limited in a, in, in a way under a group plan where you can actually have those covered to an age 65 or 70 on an individual plan. So a lot of that has to do with actually the price and the monthly benefit. Monthly benefit is, is driven by the actual income that that person has. So, you know, the higher the benefit, the more premium and a lot of the other moving parts that go into it. Got it. No, that's awesome. Awesome insight. So, you know, this seems like a benefit that tends to be, I don't want to say universally offered, but a lot of companies have it as a benefit. You know, is there any distinction on who should have disability versus, versus who shouldn't? That's a great question. And one, one that's fought often on my side of the table, mm -hmm. you know, my side of the table, um, I think everybody should have it. All right. I come from, a very subjective background with that, having lived through somebody in my family that's been disabled more than once, that person will never be able to retire. And that person's my dad. So it's very close. I mean, he's fine, but he went through some disabling events that he'll never be able to retire. All right. So anybody that relies on their income is a pretty broad statement as who should have disability insurance. Now, that doesn't mean that people that are worth multi-millions, you know, they can self-insure. Sure, of course. But there's arguments to be had is where are those millions 
held, owned? Are they liquid? Can they be turned to cash quickly? You know, so there's arguments that that guy that actually has a huge net worth should have disability insurance. But there's also the argument that he probably doesn't need it as well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because even the insurance carriers, some of them that are domiciled here in the United States, if you have net worths over a certain amount, they're not even going to offer it to you. But there's there's surplus lines like the Lloyd's and London markets that will actually cover those people. And there is a need there, arguably. Um, even all the way down to you know people that are in some sort of service industry that might be heavily uh, reliant on tips or you know foot traffic retail that sort of thing. There's an argument that those people need disability insurance because they rely the most on their income, right? Mm-hmm. But again, it's always going to come down to what's the best fit, proper positioning for that particular client in their plan, right? And then, of course, look, I don't want to make anybody insurance poor. You know, I don't want to sell something to sell to just to sell it to somebody. There's a specific need that these things actually uh, do, like, like, and and there's a fit to where it is, and premium is is a big concern. You know, cash flow concerns, right? So, um, yeah, I think in the broad span, everybody needs it. It comes down to the individual circumstance, but there's arguments for, you know, he doesn't need it because he's worth, you know, $25 million or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. so, D- Dave, with that, um, is there a maximum? Uh, I know with, like, life insurance, you can get some very large death benefits, but with disability, I, I believe it's a little bit different, correct? Yeah, there are maximums that the particular insurance carriers will issue to somebody. And there's a couple of things that affect that. You know, one might be what type of group benefits they have versus their income. You know, so if you have group benefits, the ability to get a lot of disability insurance that you may want based on your income might be hindered because they're coordinating with the group benefits, okay? That's another discussion. We can get into the moving parts of that. Um, Also, you know, the insurance carriers say here domestically in the United States, most of them will only issue up to $20,000 a month. Anything above that, they're not going to issue that. There's the next step, which we can, which gets a little more in the weeds, which are participation limits too. You know, to where somebody has a substantial amount of income, they're going to cap out at the $20,000 a month. So they might be able to stack another carrier insurance market on top and that carrier may participate up to a certain amount, call it another 15 grand, which is the typical participation, meaning this carrier will participate with another carrier up to a certain cap, right? And then you have back to those surplus Lloyds and London markets. I don't want to throw out numbers, but they'll get into, let's say, the six-figure monthly benefit amounts for those people that have those high incomes yeah interesting it is so i think uh, it sounds like and i know we're doing this in a series obviously too so we have a lot more to cover but um, just to kind of land the plane on this conversation in the introduction you know i have one more question that i think probably should have started with but here we are so but still is important when we were doing some research you know leading up to the interview I found some interesting stats around disability claims. 
And I think there's some misconceptions on what what constitutes a disability or the things that you can actually realize claims for. So talk a little bit about that, because there was one stat I saw that said about 90% of disability claims actually are illness-related and not physical disabilities, um, like most people would think, like, you know, breaking or losing a limb or things like that. So talk a little bit about that um, aspect of disability claims. Sure. Yeah. And that's that's right. That 90% of claims industry-wide are illness. Illness, what does that mean? Cancers, stroke, heart attacks, um, you know, things that are inside of your body that may have not have manifested yet, that you don't even know you have, that could take you down. Um, you know, um, illnesses caused by treating that certain illness, right? So I've seen that a lot. And that's what happened to my father. My dad went in for a heart attack. Was Well, actually, sorry, backwards, went in for some knee surgery was given a pain medication that then caused a heart attack. You know, so there's things that lead, you know, medications that lead to other things that can keep dis people disabled. Um, injury is definitely high up there though. You know, back injuries, um, it can keep people out. Car accidents, of course, that are, that, you know, would really incapacitate somebody. Um, I think injuries are about 28% illnesses or 90%. I mean, you have things like, um, what else is there? Mental and nervous is a big one, about 18% of claims. You know, people are, stress is a real thing. I think also, don't quote me on this. I don't have anything to back this up. It might be completely <laughs> anecdotal, but I believe stress is one of the biggest leaders to cancers and stuff like that. That I, I, I believe that is correct. You know, so stress can manifest its differently you know um like non-reported illnesses like fibromyalgia that cause pain and that they don't really know where where it's coming from why it, why it happened things like that um diabetes is a big one you know especially if it's not treated you know that can lead to certain things sleep apnea is a big mm -hmm. one that leads to fatigue and can lead to other sort of things and yeah. you know um but illness is definitely big so that's a true stat but don't don't sleep on the injuries you know the injuries are, yeah. are real one. yeah <laughs> no i think that's just important to kind of round out our conversation today to you know we talked a lot about the what is disability insurance what can it do but also talking about some of the things where uh things people may not be thinking about in terms of well, do I really need it? Do I not? And those are some of the things that obviously the unforeseen circumstances in life that can come up that, you know, you shared, thank you for sharing a personal story. But, you know, we all have those personal stories of people where, you know, things that are out of their control happen. And so uh, I think that really, you know, I think hammers that point of here we are, here's something that can solve a problem that, you know, you may or may not need just like other insurances, but um, it's there if you need it. So, um, you know, that's, that's great. And I think we appreciate all of your insight today and your expertise, and we're going to have you back on for some other episodes in the series to really dive deeper into some of those points you mentioned. And so I just want to thank you for your time and, and for all the insight and, and for sharing. So thank you. Anytime. Pleasure. Thanks for having me guys. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. And make sure you tune in, everybody, for the uh, second episode of the series where we talk more about the specifics of disability insurance and really dive in deep into what some of the riders are and how the policy actually works.